0: Hey, hey, welcome to the 40 Athletes Podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, Today, I'm with my coach, once again, Jimmy Hubert. Jimmy, how's it going, man?
1: It's going great. It's always great when I can sit down and talk shop with you.
0: Hey, man, this time we're talking money shop because we got the money vehicle, man. Show Uh, me the
1: money! Show me the
0: money! Washington State alum. You know what? Hey, he was the number one fullback in the football field in the nfl in, in the football field if you notice my terminology is really crisp today okay but he was the number one nfl fullback but do you know how many times he was cut before he got to number one status like that number one ranking what did
1: he, he become number one fullback explain that to me he was number one, ranked. number one fullback. number, number one, one ranked,
0: ranked fullback in is that the NFL? like
1: blocking a heck of a blocker and could get the tough yards or
0: i mean I, i'm pretty sure he had some good hands too like, i think he caught it. got some you know ran the ball a little bit did some blocking but Anyways, he was ranked number one fullback in the NFL at one point, but he was also cut. Guess how many times he was cut before he got to that point?
1: Well, you. This is a tricky question. It's probably going to be a high number. I would say, is it ten times? Close. Close.
0: Really close. Yes,
1: almost. Uh, nine. Eleven.
0: Twelve. Twelve. Twelve, 12 times. Wow. He was cut twelve times, but now a
1: dozen, a dirty a dozen. dozen.
0: Yeah. And the thing was, though, he kept going. And a little bit of resilience. So we get some resilience there, too, uh, with our with our guest. And now he's currently uh, the fullback of finance. So he switched from the football field to the finances. CFP. We got Jed Collins on the show today. Jed, welcome to the show, my man.
2: Gotta unmute myself. I'm I'm learning, <laughs> you know, on the spot. Uh so no, first off, appreciate just the opportunity, love. Obviously, Jason, Jim, we've got to to know each other's message and mission. So appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit of mine and collaborate with yours and Jim to answer your question. Yes. Uh, the, the ranking in, in the fullback position is primarily lead blocking. Who's winning your one-on-one collisions. Um, but I do love to, to share that Tom Brady and I held a different title for about four seasons uh, for third down and fourth down and one conversions. So we are both perfect until of course I, I got stopped and Tom doesn't ever get stopped. So, uh, I thought you were going
1: to tell me it was more of a, uh, you two were the top GQ models in the country. Yeah. I mean, geez, the ways I could see you as a GQ model too. And by the way, when Jason told me you originally says you got to meet this guy named Jedediah Collins, I go, is he from Star Wars or something? <laughs> this guy, like Ben, and what is he? Is he on the dark side? Is he on the light mm-hmm. side? Was he with who is he with Jedediah? So uh so no,
2: I I have grown into my name. It is definitely not one you you grow up. I've gotten a lot of Amish, uh, a lot of Amish jokes growing up. But my dad <laughs> actually, it is biblical, uh, but my dad actually got it from a book called Walk Across America. Um, mm-hmm. the 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 man in the book named his son Jedediah, and it was the time I, my mom was pregnant with me, I was also the fourth of five children. So you kind of run out of names <laughs> after a little
1: while. I love it though. Jedi is unique, man. I love it. Hey, by the way, I think you also
0: got the uh, best hair in the West, also. I mean, like, I'm jealous to, right now. Dude, I need to develop my own, man. Like, how do you yeah. get hair like that? I mean, that just my goodness.
2: But I'm, I'm routine oriented. And, you know, what's funny is like, I would rather grow the ponytail out and just let it. <laughs> But people are like, "Nah, you got to look professional. So I landed on this and everybody's like, I was like, all right, I know how to do it. And I can still doing it. So rep it.
1: No no man bun. No man man bun, Jedi. They said (laughs) people with ponytails.
0: Uh, Uh, Well, hey, man. Uh, First of all, I want to know how do you go from like, so you get cut 12 times in the NFL and you end up making, you know, the number one ranked fullback. You know, what's your mindset as you're getting cut, you know, one, two. and it's almost like, I feel like you're on a marathon. It's not maybe the first or second time, but maybe like it's a seventh or the eighth time that it's like, you really gotta cause you can't necessarily see how many times like that 12th time, obviously you didn't know how many times you're gonna get cut, but like, can you walk us through that resiliency process of having a mindset of like, I'm just gonna keep going no matter what?
2: Absolutely. So it is hard because, you know, everybody says, well, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you don't see a light when you're going through it. Um, And so the first couple of times was they all were humbling. I would like to say I didn't see them coming and I was blindsided. Um, And so they they just are shots to the heart. Getting cut is somebody telling you your dream is over and to go home. So I, I looked at it and I started to realize what was the lesson here. What was football, what was sports going to give me beyond just the game, beyond the opportunity in the National Football League? And I started to look around the locker room and ask myself, not only why were those guys getting to stay here as I was packing up my locker and leaving, but I started to ask myself, well, what were they doing that would help me in life? And my mindset really shifted, you know, and it wasn't the first, second time, it was, you know, somewhere in my second year where I said, all right, the opportunity is getting to be in rooms of greatness. The opportunity is getting to see the highest perform at their best. What were the principles? What were the behaviors, the, the habits that they had? And how could I, you know, for lack of a better term, start stealing from them, start stealing and putting it into my own, you know, practice and my own beliefs and, now that I look back, I see those 12 times I got cut, and I, I get to go down a really neat list of people I got to meet, competitors I got to go against, and people I got to steal from. And that's how that's how I became number one was uh, it started with a, a concept a, a 15-year linebacker to, uh, gave to me in Kansas City. No, no little represent. Uh, and I took that concept and, and, and still employ it uh, every day what, what it's tell that you.
0: Concept? yeah can you tell us like can you break that like we want to know like what were some of the things and i like to use the word borrow because you didn't really steal it right you borrowed it and take in and, and a doctor I it and it it a back. It. yeah <laughs> that's, that's touche um so what are the things like specifically you know you said that you, you stole some things can you give us like maybe three or four things that you took away that that you still apply today in in what you're doing now
2: absolutely so i'll leave the kansas city one for for last The first one is, you know, I really had to identify my mindset. What does a pro think? What is a pro mentality? And it it begins with the difference between cockiness and confidence. Cockiness Mm. is that young rookie walking around telling you how good he is. Confidence is the voice in between your ears and the only one speaking when no one's around. So I really needed to begin to believe I deserve to be out on that field. I remember very vividly my first year in Philadelphia going against Brian Dawkins, who is a legend, was a legend at the time, and was a guy I watched. You know, he had two lockers in the Eagles' locker room one for <laughs> Dawkins, the man, and one for Weapon X, this mythical creature. And when I went up against him, my first rep in training camp, I saw Weapon X. And I was, I was honored to be on the field with him and you know, that mindset needed to shift and I needed to begin to see myself as somebody who deserved to be there. And that confidence needed to grow. Um, Trust. If I, after confidence, you have to build trust, not only in, you know, your team, but in who you're going to be every day showing up. Consistency is king in the national football league. So you have to really build trust. And then I I really started to take note of the idea that everybody needs to add value. Everybody needs to see something that they wanna try to be the best at. They want to put their name on. And that value addition is a great mentality, a great mindset entering any team, especially as a fullback, who is kind of one of these positions that you earn your time and you earn your respect. Um, So that was kind of the, the pro mindset, confidence, value, and trust. But the, the character, character, characteristic I took um, in Kansas City was working with, again, a 15-year linebacker out on you know, the practice field. I noticed it at first, and we would be asked to run 40 yards. He'd run 45. We'd run 50. He'd run 55. We'd go in the weight room, and he was an encourager. He was a leader. And we'd do a set of 10 at 225, and he would go last, and he would do 11. Or he would slide on 2 and a halfs and do a set of 230 for 10 and you know it, it, everything he did we went and got two games of tape he got a third i finally asked him i said listen i don't i don't understand you're old is it hard to slow down on the field do you lose count like what is a 5 pounds on a bench press ever really going to do and he looked at me and he said man do you see every guy in here every guy in here is here to take my job every guy is younger than me healthier than me cheaper than me and they're all here to take my position. The only reason I'm here after 15 years is because I come in and I steal this. Every day I steal an inch because I know an inch can lead to a yard, a yard to a first down, a first down to a touchdown, a touchdown to a win. And a win gets me to a chance to go to the Super Bowl, which is why I show up and I go. And I mean, that was in a locker room it was philosophical. It was deep. I went home, I'm a journaler. So I wrote all about it, which is why I remember it so vividly. But the idea that he said, I come in and I just steal a little inch each and every day, not only on the teams we're playing, but on the competition within the building. And I really took that to heart. And if you look at a fullbacks measurement, we measure in six inches in collisions. If I, if we go into a collision, can I move you back six inches? This is the National Football League. You're not going to decleat a lot of guys, and so I saw Monday through Saturday is going in and stealing an inch a day, so I can go win that inch six inch battle.
1: You know, going going back to what you talked about though, being cut twelve times, you see kids, and we talk to kids a lot of just get cut one time mm-hmm. and they quit. They're they're done and. <clears throat> A lot of it has to do that. They feel like whatever a coach or somebody tells them that that's true. So I guess you, you broke these down you said, confidence is a key. So my question would be for you is getting cut 12 times. You know, you had to tell people were telling you not good enough, not even just the organization was cutting you, but probably people outside were like, Hey, get, get a job, do something different or whatever. I'm sure you heard that from people. How do you stay confident when people are telling you you're not good enough You walk away?
2: So, I mean, and that came from my most trusted resources in, in my father, you know, my, my mother is always my biggest cheerleader, but my dad was go get a real job. You know, he's an attorney, my brother, you know, they're, are great careers out there. He said, go start. And actually both my, my brothers are older and were working and they, they were ones that were like, Hey, the real world will be here, you know, chase the dream as long as you can. And as you said, some guys, a lot of guys, Get cut once and quit. A lot of guys get cut once and never get another call. So I I was fortunate to keep having the phone ring. But where I really had to sit was, and you know, you, you hear this and it sounds silly because uh Stuart Smalley or whatever looking in a mirror. My my journey began in that mirror. My journey began staring at myself and repeatedly telling myself I can be a starting fullback. I would get cut. I would go back to the mirror, and I would repeat those words of affirmation, planting those seeds. Um, because I, I'm a firm believer in two things. Number one, the first person that's going to believe any journey of achievement that you're going to go and do has got to be you. Even today, as an entrepreneur, people still tell me, Jed, financial literacy—like you think you're going to help people with money? Nah. Like go, go get a real job. Go, you know, go get paid this way. And if I don't believe we can make impact and change, then I shouldn't be on this journey. And the second piece is, is, uh, oh, shoot lost my train of thought. Uh, the, the, second piece, I'll, I'll come back to the You're second. Talk about
1: like confidence. You said like the mirror, looking in the mirror, affirming yourself that you were going to be a starting fullback in the NFL. That was number one thing that built confidence. Were there other things that you did that helped instill that confidence when other people are telling you, maybe you weren't good enough. The second piece is, looking
2: at who is providing the, the feedback. And mm. one of the biggest notes is grit is, is taking failure as feedback, not final. And I would begin to look at my quote unquote failures getting cut as if this is coming from a coach, what could I, what were they really telling me I needed to work on? But also the people outside who didn't know football, coaches were the ones who were telling me keep going. Jed, you you have it, you just didn't make it here. Hey, you're good, we just didn't have the right numbers. The people outside of buildings who weren't in training camps, who didn't see my work, who didn't see what I was doing, they were the ones who were like, hey man, maybe you should move on. Like, Maybe you should go get a real job. And what I really have come to understand, especially my first year as an entrepreneur, is if people can't see themselves achieving a dream, they can't see you achieving it either and life being a mirror is something that they are really going to portray onto you and so if you are uh, trying to chase and achieve something that they don't believe they could do they're not going to really want you to achieve it either and that that is something that is really tough pill to swallow and as you look at those quote unquote failures if you can interpret all of that as just feedback it will really help build that grit and then those words of affirmation those seeds you've planted begin to manifest into
1: reality. That's really good. I want to go back to when you said trust and value. And I think in sports so many times you got to get as an athlete get coaches, people to trust you, right? See the value you're bringing to the table to get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned it's about being consistent. So what did you do or what what suggestions could you give people of how to be consistent? to stay after what you want and taking the actions on a daily basis to get you there. So
2: two avenues there. Number one would be uh, looking at trust and really identifying every relationship you have. Family, professional, friends, seeing, and Stephen Covey calls it in the speed of trust, a trust tax or a trust dividend. So looking at your relationships and for me, it was, how does my running back coach see me? How does the running back see me? How do the scouts, the the organization, do I have that trust tax or that trust dividend? Is it adding to our relationship or taking away? And how you begin to build it through that consistency. I, I, you will be amazed at, I don't wanna call it middle level talent, but middle level talent in the NFL who squeaks out a seven to 10 year career Based on one turn, consistent. Coaches, teams know exactly who that player is going to be each and every day. How did I begin to do that? Well, I got to work with a guy named Drew Brees, and I got to see habits and routines at their utmost and their best. But I started to look at it and say, okay, who who do I want them to see when they see me? What are the words I want them to come to mind? And one of them has always got to be, especially as a fullback, worker. So I was the 5 a.m. guy. I was the, you know, stay or get in early, stay late, always hustle kind of, you know, high motor type of player. But then I looked at consistency with my attitude. So many guys waver, you know, it, it is not easy going to practice. And everybody says the NFL is a dream. It is, but it is also a job. You have a long season and it is grueling. And so being able to consistently be me, be comfortable in who I am and provide a positive and an energetic spirit amongst a team that needs that in the grueling days. That is where I really started to turn. What do I control? I control my attitude every day. And why it begins with words of affirmation is because that's where it starts in the controlling aspect. So if you want to build trust, you want to be consistent, really identify how you have relationships dividends or trust, but then really look at yourself and challenge yourself and say, there are so many things in life I don't control, but I do control my attitude. So how can I be more consistent on that realm?
0: Yeah, I think it goes back to too, is like, you know, something that I've adopted personally is like, why does everything work in my favor? Like, you know, in the NFL, like, I'm sure you experienced some days that were super challenging that were like, you know, they were not the dream that maybe people think of. So... um you know, like how do you take those challenging times that you did in the NFL, and then now transitioning, applying to yourself as a CFP money vehicle? Like, first of all, you know, like not only like how do you apply those, but why did you decide to pick you know a CFP while you were in the NFL? What what made you that that other passion that you have that so many athletes maybe have a hard time transitioning out of like what's next with them in sports?
2: So the transition is real. I knew exactly where I was going, the road I was headed down, and it st- still hit me like a, a ton of bricks. Uh, losing your identification, for me, it was at 30 years old. For many, it's at 18 or 22. That transition cannot be replicated. You, you can prepare for it, but it is still gonna hit you smack dab in the face. And I compare it to telling a, a 45-year-old doctor, hey, tomorrow you're not gonna be a doctor anymore. Go find something else. And it's just, it's been who you've been. It's, it it is your personality. And so I, I was fortunate to find a second passion. And I get to smile when I say fortunate is because number one, part of why I was looking beyond the NFL is because I got cut 12 times. The game was telling me, Hey bro, this doesn't last forever. But number two, it was also fear. Um, When I was rookie in 2008, the documentary 30 for 30 called broke came out and it really highlighted the majority and everybody argues percentages and 50 percent of statistics are made up anyway so um you look at it and you say hey the the vast majority of professional athletes living the dream five years after they're done playing have nothing left of the dream to show i was a fullback i was an undrafted no-name guy and i looked at that and i said dang that's, I mean, how would I defy the first, second rounders? How would I beat those guys? Well, I would have to do things that nobody else was doing. And that's where I went to educate. And I, my father ran his own law firm, very you know, bright guy, grew up in the black community, had no financial education whatsoever. To this day, still doesn't, especially want his younger son, to tell him about money. So, my only financial literacy was avoid debt. That's all he ever told us avoid debt, get a good job and avoid debt. And so, I, I kind of began to realize there's got to be more to it. There's got to be a secret language of the wealthy. And I would go to Borders bookstores and walk down that personal finance aisle and get the, the gurus, get the people, you know, Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, Robert Kiyosaki, start digesting all of that. And I went, and this is another challenge for many. I found a mentor. I found somebody I could ask questions to just so happened to be a 20 you know twenty year advisor, also a former NFL Washington State football player who changed my life when he said, hey, I can feed you fish all day long, but if you really want to do this, you got to learn to fish yourself. And he challenged me to sit, you know, start studying for the certification of financial planning, which I hid. I hid from teams. I hid from my, my you know, my teammates. I didn't want people to know I had a foot out the door because in my my world, that's a, that's a big, big minus, And that's something that, you know, I'd get cut over. So I looked at it and I said, internally, money is this part of the dream. I wanted to have the memories. I wanted to achieve my highest, but I also wanted to be able to have something down the road for my family for all of these bruises and collisions I was having. And so that fear of not having that and, you know, missing the opportunity of the NFL really drove me to study and it drove me to see this language. But what really opened my eyes was every teammate who saw I started to understand a little bit about money came and asked my brothers, one who was at Berkeley getting a master's in engineering, another who was getting his Harvard law degree, started asking the the big dumb jock about money. It really opened me to this idea that none of us are prepared and, you know, we really need to do a better job about talking about this secret language.
1: So let's, let's get into a couple of things. One is, as you mentioned, you think about in sports, people start playing sports thinking, okay, eventually I'm going to play in college, right? Get a college scholarship. Well, eventually then I'm going to play a major league for, you know, sports, NFL, NBA, whatever. I'm going to make a lot of money, right? But as you say, the percentages don't even show kids get that opportunity to play professional, even when they do, the average span of a career is not long. And even if it is, they don't manage money well and they're broke afterwards. Right. Mm -hmm. So I love what you said, though. You talked about the secret language of the wealthy. So let's start breaking it down. Like all this research and studies that you that you went on this journey and this mentor, can you start explaining like what some of the secrets you found out to help people with being able to. Not only earn money, but then being able to invest it or keep it or grow it, whatever that might be.
2: 100%. So I love that you declare that. One, a lot of people know how to earn money. Earning money is not easy, but people know how to do it. Creating money, managing money, protecting money are things that we're never taught in school. School teaches you how to earn. So why we call the book "Your Money Vehicle"? Why the the virtual course is called Money Vehicle? Is one of our first challenges is identifying it as first off your, you know, you need to sit and a vehicle. The financial world has gone through an evolution over the last twenty years, seeing pensions and really social security no longer being reliable sources for our freedom for our years ahead, and so we have all been forced to sit down in the driver's seat of this money vehicle and the wealthy always see money as a tool. They use it. They, they treat it as a verb. Middle class, lower class see money as the destination. I want a million dollars. Wealthy people never see a million dollars as anything other than a tool to go do what they want to do. And so one of the first semantics you know, slash changes we have to see is our perspective of how long we use money. Most are introduced. I spending my first NFL contract was one of these. I was a spendor. I, I got money and I spent money that day. That is how the vast majority of people handle their money. There are certain people who start to get educated and see and start to plan and become savors. They start to look at money and say, Well, I'm gonna need some in the next six months, maybe a year, maybe even two years out. But what I really began to understand, savor, spend or, investor. Investors look at money, not in a day-to-day, not even in a year-to-year, but they start to see money over decades. They start to ask themselves, if it's a 100 now, what's it going to be in 10 years? Better yet, what's it going to be when I'm 65 or 85? And they start to make money go to work for them. And so that was one of the biggest changes and evolutions. And it's, it's common knowledge to anybody over 30 that says, Oh, compound interest investing is the way to generate and create wealth. But why isn't that common knowledge for every high school graduate in America? Why don't we all get told, Hey, this $1 that you went and earned, you went and worked for, if you have the right mindset, you can turn it into your employee and it could go to work for you. And so this mission that we're on with money vehicle is to use money. And we use that acronym use understand strategize, efficient. We want you to understand money. We want you to begin a strategy for your money, and we want you to be efficient with your money. And if we can empower you to use money, we really believe there's a social impact we can have on the country
0: and the world. Can you give us like, And I, it's funny that you mentioned it because I was asking like, hey, what is your, because I know you have that USE acronym. Um, what are maybe like three strategies that we can begin using money and the money vehicle way to get down that path. Like just give us a taste or a feel what that might look like.
2: Absolutely. So the first, and again, we're trying to approach. So I never say retirement. I love the word freedom semantics. It's a mindset shift, very similar to money vehicle being seen as a verb, not an noun. One of the big ones is I don't like the word budget. Budget feels like this thing after the fact, how did we do? And it controls me. Change the mindset. Cash management is a term that says I immediately put myself in control. So one of the biggest shifts is not having a budget after the fact, but having a strategy as your paychecks roll in. In the course, we have a money bucket system. It's the five choices every person has to make with their their paycheck. Whether it's mine, you know, yours, Jeff Bezos has the same five questions to ask. It begins with society. We all have to pay into our tax system. Then we go to past choices, past choices are anything due before the first of the month. So as we just hit January 1st, we've already spent money throughout January before the month begins. Those are all past choices. Then we look at the present day to day decisions we make. Then we, of course, get to future choices. And I I love the term. If you ever want to have fu money, you got to begin with your future. And this is paying yourself first. We do begin with the Corona cushion, formerly known as the emergency fund but then we really begin into how to create money and put money to work for you in investing. And the fifth and final decision, and one you guys will be able to support and and understand most is that compassion choice. That idea of looking at dollars and realizing because science is actually telling us where you're going to find the most fulfillment and happiness with money is in that compassion when you are actually spending it and using it on other people. So that would be one, is identifying that cash management system. The second one would be understanding. And again, if we're just doing a top three, because in the course we get into cybersecurity and taxes and stuff, um, the second one would be the identification of the tool of an index fund. Jack Bogle, Vanguard uh, founder, created these identities of how can we help the individual investor? How can we help Jim and Jason if they're just starting to invest? And he said, well, they're not going to be good stock pickers. Full disclosure, very, very, very few people are good stock pickers. But what if they could just invest in a group of stocks? What if they can invest in the entire United States economy? Better yet, what if they could invest in the world economy? And so these index funds take the idea of choosing one stock and allow you to own the S&P 500 or thousands of companies across the world who are publicly traded. So the second idea is looking at diversification, looking at tools and technology today, and index funds. And then this third one is kind of our north star for money vehicle is where we really see you to use money as a young professional, and this is ages fifteen to thirty. I believe every young professional, young earner, should open a Roth account. And there's five you know reasons, advantages we talk about, but Chapter 10, the last action is opening this Roth account because if we can get young earners to open these accounts, they will have showed us that they understand why that they are strategizing their money and that they are being efficient because they'll never pay taxes on those dollars again.
1: Going back to what you said, and I I think like you said, high school kids should have this, even like middle school kids, because even I remember Jim Rohn talking about, he said, you know, you, you, the kid gets a dollar and they say, I want to spend the whole dollar. Like, yep. you can't allow them to spend the whole dollar. They can't spend the dollar, right? You got to teach them how to basically pay tax, what it is to save, to invest, what that is. But I do want to get into, you mentioned three things. You talked about creating, protecting mm-hmm. and managing. Mm-hmm. So now let's get into creating. How, how do you talk about, you said there's one thing, people know how to earn money. Mm-hmm. How do you talk about creating money?
2: So creating money is any time that money it goes in and finds more money. And so that's passive income that is investing in a nutshell. So a lot of people say, hey, I'm going to create money by building a course, writing a book, maybe getting a rental property, starting to invest. And so the idea of creating is I go earn money with my time. When I am sleeping and money is still being accrued that is the idea of creating money and that is how most wealthy people continue to increase their wealth i i love to point this out to my neighbors who are great salespeople, big w-2 salaried employees nfl players who are big w-2 p- employees there are big restrictions around what you can do with w-2 income other forms of income being the owner being passive being earned income or excuse me, created income, there are a lot of advantages you can have to reduce your tax liability there. So I love the idea of forming avenues and streams of creating money because down the road, as you build out your money vehicle plan, you will be able to mitigate and actually reduce that liability of taxes.
1: And that's the idea of getting money working for you, right? Absolutely. Let me talk about that. So now now you created it in that way with multiple streams, different things you do. How do you protect it?
2: Ah, So chapter seven in the book is around risk management. We introduce to obviously insurance as being a, a major one. As a wealth manager, which is the, the world I come from, no longer an advisor. But when I was a wealth manager, we would sit down with clients. And the first question today is not, hey, look at the returns we've had over the last 10 years. The first question is, hey, here are the biggest risks, here are the biggest hazards to your wealth, those are the items we want to remove first. Because as Warren Buffett says, rule number one, don't lose money. It it sounds simple, it sounds easy. And so we look at where and how you are at uh, at risk. With NFL players, the first thing I get to tell them is, I'm not going to tell you what to invest in, but I'm going to go tell all of you to get an umbrella policy which is a catastrophic uh, uh, insurance policy because every one of them is a Google away from being a target. And so you start to identify where and how could your plan be disrupted, whether that's through your cash management process, whether that's through your tax liability that is overlooked, or it is through risks from driving a car or owning a home. Wherever your risk is, you have to begin to identify that. And then as the vehicle starts to grow and everybody you know, wants to touch, talk about estate plans, I think everybody needs a will. I think everybody needs certain documents. But then one big risk people will have to, especially as the political climate changes in the world going forward changes, we will all have to identify what is that risk at the end of our lives going to be and how do we handle that and prepare for it and make sure what we have gone out and earned and created is going to go to where we want it to go. So the third one you mentioned is manage. So now what is the managed part of it? So the managed part of it is the freedom perspective is now that I have it, now that it is working for me, number one, the biggest, maybe the most challenging piece to a, a financial journey is discipline, obviously, but it is staying on the freeway. It takes a lot of twists and turns to get onto a freeway. And then managing it says, well, I'm supposed to stay in this lane and go 65 to 70. Just keep doing it and being able to look at it now. And that's where the efficiencies start to look. As I look at what we're doing, where can I start to manage better? Where can I start to handle? Where can I improve? Where can I pivot? Where can I change? And those are the efficiencies that really start to bubble up as you have the foundation as you have the plan in place and you have the first level of risks removed
0: man uh i feel like i need to go through your course again because not only is your course but not only it's so funny too. like you know it's you you, you allowed us to go in and look at it and there's so many knowledge and nuggets in there about money that i was totally unaware of but you also have a creative way of adding humor to it and, and, and like i think humor is a great way to get people to learn better because you're more open to things that there's a little bit of quirkiness. There's a little bit of something else. So, you know, kudos to you on your money vehicle course as well, because um, as I went through it, not only did I learn a lot, but I also laughed a lot as well. So I love the personality aspect of it that you bring into it.
2: Hey, Um, hey, so game respects game, man. You guys know (laughs) who we're dealing with, who we're talking to. If I don't entertain you, you're not going to come back for episode two. You're not going to come back for the next video. So that, we really identify that and I, our target audience is high schools and colleges. You know students today, young people, 15 to 25 year olds, this new version of you know ed- ed- edutainment, this new version of teaching is have to be entertaining, have to be short, digestible, and then actionable. So I really appreciate that. And yes, one of our biggest feedbacks from students is, Man, I learned more than school, but it didn't feel like school. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, that, that's that's quotable. I like that. Hey, and yeah, one,
1: one thing I do want to ask you about is as we flow through this is if you could give, you know, individuals like maybe three disciplines of everything you went over, there's a lot of information to do, but if you said, hey, you have these three disciplines in regards to money, and it could help you get, they talk about that money vehicle going in the right direction, what would be the three disciplines you would tell people to have?
2: So I would say, you know, age old advice, number one, pay yourself first. If you aren't worried about future you, nobody is. And I tell that to a 22-year-old rookie in the NFL. I'll tell that to an 18-year-old graduating high school and a 58-year-old looking at the end of their career. If, if you aren't really prioritizing your future future self, then, then you're going to be left out in the cold. Um, so I love the, the adage, I made a dollar, I saved a dime. That is 10% of every paycheck I get goes into future, future me. Can you go up to 15? Have I talked to some young people who are saving 50? Absolutely, but there is always a balance. I never want it to be, I don't get to do anything because I'm putting 75% of my income to future you. It's like, no, that's not, money is supposed to bring us peace of mind and enjoyment money is not the destination so i look at that one and i always say you know pay yourself first that is financial literacy headline for a long time but now more than ever it is essential the second one would be diversify and that's diversify your investments sure again index funds builds that in you should also understand where how much you need in cash how much you need in bonds how you can diversify with real estate and things like that but also diversifying your skill set, diversifying your income streams, diversifying your network and friends. I think you know one of the greatest advantages of me is I now live in Seattle. I didn't grow up in Seattle, and when I first moved here after I was done playing, that was a big hurdle. That was a, a disadvantage. But as I've been here a few years, I've realized that that forced me to diversify my friend groups, diversified me to make me go meet new people. And now it's probably one of the biggest advantages I have. So diversifying your everything, looking at your life and saying, "Where have I, I? I need to have a focus. I need to have a specialty, but I also need to look at where the world is going and how can I develop these new skill sets? How can I begin to sit in a room by myself and look at a little dot and talk? Uh, how can I begin to to write and communicate or or see people identify, be a leader, whatever you know, whatever skill and talent you need to work on. Um, and then the third one, I think the discipline piece is around finding enjoyment in the process. Uh, a term we always put out in the NFL was enjoy the hunt, the kill, winning a Super Bowl, being, you know, winning a game, it is very sweet and it is great. But if you didn't enjoy the process getting there, it's never going to satisfy. And it's, it's always just going to be a moment that kind of goes by. So, If we can find ways to enjoy the suck a little bit, you know, this last year was a challenge. It forced us. My business went kicked off, went to the dirt and now we're back flying again. But it it is an enjoying process to see not only myself, but what I'm doing, where I'm going and how I can improve and get better. That is what I really want to steal those inches and see on a daily basis. Enjoying hey,
1: that hunt. The biggest thing I want to tell you is living in Seattle. Don't walk around with the Washington State football helmet on. Bring bring do that in seattle. Oh, seattle oh we got That's how you everywhere. okay? So watch uh, out when uh, you do that. Uh, Just you want to make out. sure you're aware of that. Okay, now the, the next thing I want to ask you is it's NFL playoff time. Time of year. I want your prediction. Who's going to be in the Super Bowl?
2: Uh that's you know, I got I, I had to put this one out to, uh, to represent. Oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah, I would love to see Drew get another one. I think he deserves it. I think he's earned it. I think he's had some fluke deals kind of go away. Um, do I think they're the best team? No. Do I think they can get hot and win? Sure. Um, I I'm gonna go with the Bills right now, man. Bills. They, they, yeah. Oh
1: my gosh. Yeah,
2: there it. They don't have the experience, so that is going to be key. Kansas City, obviously the easy front runner. Um, but they, you know, they're battling some things. I if I was gonna bet, sadly, if I was betting, I would say the Bills and the Packers.
1: Bills and the Packers wow, okay. Discount double J. Hey, by the way, I you know, I think Patrick Mahomes deserves to win another one too. <laughs> okay, yes, he, he deserves one another. I one. think
2: he'll be all right. Uh, he does deserve. <laughs> I will agree with you, but I believe they just signed him till twenty forty seven. So he's he doing, doing all right. Has, hey,
1: yeah. hey, going back to Drew Brees though, you mentioned you, you know playing with him, a guy that was with San Diego. They got drafted out of Purdue. It was undersized. They didn't think he was going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's in San Diego. They they draft Philip Rivers. They move him out. Right. What did you learn from a Drew Brees that made him such like he's a Hall of Fame type quarterback that people didn't see him being that type of player?
2: So interesting you bring that situation up. That is how I, again, and this is me, uh, chill, I'm a little geeky. Um, the Philip Rivers Drew Brees story is how I identify growth first value stocks. So if you look at Drew Brees at that moment, Drew was coming off an injury. He was, quote unquote, underpriced. So the Saints, other teams were trying to bring him in a good product at a lower price. Phillip Rivers coming out high first round draft pick, all the potential in the world. He had a growth trajectory. And so the Chargers looked at themselves and said, what would we rather invest in a a valued commodity or one that we believe is going to skyrocket and grow? They chose the growth stock over the value stock. Neither were wrong. I'm going to correct that. They were wrong on that one. I was yeah. right. <laughs> uh, but I, so I love, again, I, I love translating things. We understand to the, the secret language of wealthy um, being around drew Brees Again, he is twice the man. He is a football player and he's 10 times the leader. Uh, and you saw that even in this off season, he, he made a mistake. He stepped in some things. And he owned up to it and you know it started in the locker room and then went and, and took his place as a leader does admitting his mistakes so i learned from him how to number one really live that idea of taking twice the blame and half the credit watching him get interviewed being in huddles being in players only meetings that dude just put everything on his shoulders He was the guy who, you know, guys would run the wrong route and he would come over and tell you what he saw, not what you did wrong. Mm -hmm. And it was just that mindset of, he is always looking to improve and he is always looking to build out his habits. This is the dude who does meticulous things on a daily basis. I was again, a a. 5am breakfast club guy. The one dude I knew was always going to beat me in When I would walk down a dark hallway, I would see nothing but the the TV screen on the projector in the quarterback room. And some days it would be Drew just sitting by himself. Some days it would be the quarterbacks. But that is when, and he would always say, I love getting in before the sun comes up, makes me feel productive. And he would go get in the hot tub for the same amount of time, go get stretched, go get the same workout in, have the same breakfast. That was about the time most guys were just getting to the facility. And I'll never forget. Watching him in practice my first year down there, everybody has routines. Everybody has processes. Drew is the first quarterback and only quarterback in 20 years I ever saw do this. You will see young quarterbacks doing this now. Whether it was a one-on-one drill, seven-on-seven, a team drill, whatever it was, he would hear the play, and after his pass, he would take his hands, his eyes, and his feet, and he would shift to the third, fourth, fifth, and check down every single rep seven mm-hmm. on seven. I mean, nobody else is even out there and he's sitting bop, bop, bop. Mm-hmm. And he started to ask him and you know, me being me, I asked him one day, I was like, Hey man, I've never seen anybody else do that. And he said, well, in the game, I don't want to think, I don't want to be thinking about where my next progression is. I want that to just react because then I can analyze, then I can s- interpret and see the game. And that really stuck with me because it is everything he does is built. To have a system to repeatedly find success and so he was the guy who really imprinted on me the power of habits the power of routines why he introduced me to books that defined you know q routine reward of why habits break down um and so to see his success is not at all coincidental it is it is systematic and is meticulous and as a leader he is a guy that many 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 players will look at and say no better out there
0: Wow! Oh, yeah well Jed, uh, that's i mean you know uh as we wrap up today how can people you know figure out what you're doing how can they connect with you learn about what you know your money vehicle course where can they go to learn more about uh what did Collins is doing
2: so money vehicle is the mission we have a built out 12-week financial literacy course virtually on demand it is in community colleges. It is in national clubs. It is in college campuses, and it is meant for high schools. And so we look at this and just say, if anybody has a connection into a high school, a community college, or a college that is looking to have this course that we've all been asking for for the last twenty or thirty years, it's ready and it's it's available. Um, we have a facilitator guide. We have you know obviously forty to fifty videos. This is something that I believe in the next five to ten years, there should and will be something, if not money vehicle, something very similar in high schools and colleges across America. So if you're interested, yourmoneyvehicle.com will take you to the course. My email is just my full name, JedediahPeriodCollins at gmail.com. I'm the fullback of finance on TikTok, Twitter and Instagram. But by all means, check me out on LinkedIn and really just message because we're in for people, we're not in it for profit and we are growing and, and really trying to, as, as 4D is, make an impact on our community and beyond.
0: Well, Jededai, man, we really appreciate you having you on today um, and we look forward to uh, working more with you in the future to help impact as many lives as possible.
1: Jason, you got, we got to ask the questions to, to my man Jedediah first. Man. You're going to get into those?
0: Oh well you we gotta
1: ask the four Q's with the okay, man yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right. he's gonna have sweet this guy I could be on with Jedi for two hours.
0: Man. <laughs> I know great. that's true, man. We're just, right here. Let's be conscious of Jedi's time. Yeah, okay, so we'll do the four questions. We'll do lightning round this time. So number one, um Jedi, real quick, four questions with forty athletes. My bad, again a little rusty on the new year. But uh what's the best life lesson sports has taught you?
2: Ooh, s- steal an inch. Every day, find something that you can you can track, something that you can get just a little bit better. The aggregation of of marginal gains is compound interest in the financial world. But you know, I, I got to talk to the CEO of the Seahawks. He's a he's a coog. First off, um, <laughs> he started as a as an intern driving guys to the airport. Now he runs the whole building. Cool story, but. He he and his wife last year did a one more push up a day challenge. So on day one, you do one on day two hundred, you do two hundred in the day. And that I that to me was stealing an inch. And over the course of the, the year, they did something like thirty thousand push ups. And it was crazy. Uh, but when you look at it, just one more a day, it's not that big of a deal. And what yeah. you
1: still don't give it back, Jason, don't give <laughs> it back.
0: Can you share it at least? I mean, come on, no. yeah. you can share it. OK, OK. Um, if you could spend time with anyone you admire in sports, alive or passed away, who would it be and why?
2: In sports. Yeah, specifically uh, in
0: sports, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: David Robinson.
0: all um, oh, the admiral. I
2: grew, up, I grew up admiring him. So I grew up in a basketball family. Both my brothers played Division One basketball. My dad got drafted in the NBA. Um, so we were all hoops. I was the only football guy. And so, yeah, I I grew up looking at him. I grew up a Lakers fan. I mean, don't kid me there. Like I'm full, full blown Lakers fan, but he was always just, I read a book or two on him growing up, just could not find anyone to say a negative word, respectable leader, you know, time in the Navy, like just an incredible story. My favorite little tip on him was he could walk the length of the NBA court on his hands.
1: Wow that that i want to talk about that's america's got talent right there yeah Yeah. hey so question number three is what is the best advice you received from a coach um that you've worked with or been around you've been around some good coaches by the
2: way i've been around some great coaches um so man that's that's tough because yeah uh, you know, you got Sean Payton's from through Belichick, do your job. Um, Andy Reed telling me, you know, very simple. We can't beat ourselves. So maybe that might be it because that one goes back to the trust piece. In my you know, one of my first couple days in Philly, I, I jumped off or false started and penalty blew and first words Andy ever said, coach Reed ever said directly to me were, Hey son, we can't beat ourselves out there. And I think those words really echoed in my mind and in my head because it came from the head coach. But really, it was, Jed, you, you're not the kind of guy who's going to get second chances. And jumping off sides is not the kind of guy who they want to have around. So finding all my daily processes and just, again, being consistent who I was, how could I not beat me? How could I not let you cut me? Um, and that, that that's kind of a we can't beat ourselves, something that's always stuck with me.
1: You play for Hall of Famers, by the way. I mean, yeah. you talk about some these guys. I mean, Very kind of, fortunate. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Question number four is: What's the one character trait or life skill that you'd want in someone if you were coaching that individual? What would it be?
2: Grit. Someone who can can get knocked down, keep getting up, and sees again failure as feedback. I I think I look at my life today. Growing up playing basketball against my two older brothers who are always better than me, I I learned the greatest skill ever and it's to to lose without being defeated and to look at them and say, man, you may have won again, you're supposed to win again, whatever, I got better today. And if you can really have that mindset, one, you could be an entrepreneur because you absolutely need it. Uh, But two, just that idea of, you know, failure is not final unless you accept it.
1: I man. love that lose without lose. being defeated. Yes, I've heard lose right. without being defeated. That is awesome,
0: man, Jimmy. I don't know about you, but I got way better
1: than so. Dude, this dude, this guy yeah, got <laughs> Nuggets like flying, <laughs> like oh, man, not I it you know, like five. Awesome, guys, like, woo! Congrats man, on man, this thing. This the
0: best episode to go live on LinkedIn so far. I gotta say, I mean, like, man, the Nuggets in here are like just.
1: Hammering. Well, I'm just saying on a serious note, though, Jedi. Congrats on what you're doing because money causes issues right relationship divorces right i mean you can go on people being depressed anxiety all these negative emotions rely around money and we haven't been taught like in schools you're not taught how to do the things you're talking about which is injustice so you're doing something down a path and trying to really change the way we go about educating individuals and setting not only them up but generations up for success so coups on that it's it's needed i've seen your course i watched it and it is entertaining. Um, and what you do, it's like easy to to process it, to learn it, to apply it. You make it simple. So congrats on that. And hey, Jimmy, I know where
0: I'm sending my boys at money school straight to Jedi college,
1: at JCU, man. That's where i go. No, seriously. I mean, it's like you you give my my kids get money from my my mom and different ones get $20. And they want to go what? They want to go spend it on toys. Yep. They want to go, they just want to go spend it. But it's like, no, 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 listen, you can't spend the whole 20. And like you said, but having someone like yourself that can communicate to them in a way to get them thinking, even at the age of nine and 10, of how to go about money will set them up for success.
2: And Jim, I can't tell you how many parents have emailed me and said, no, no child wants to hear their parents say it. Yeah. So that that's just the hurdle that we all, my girls will not learn any, anything about this from me. Um, <laughs> but how many parents email me and say, let me tell you the question my child asked me at dinner last night. And that's where I know the change is being made is the conversation mm-hmm. for being started. And it's, it's just a really neat time.
0: Yeah, that's amazing today. Well, hey, thank you again, man. And again, we'll be in talks real soon for sure.
2: Absolutely. Gratitude Day. Enjoy
0: it. Gratitude. Yes, sir. I love that. And if you're looking to transform your athletes, team's organization by teaching essential life skills through sports like us on facebook at 40 athletes subscribe to our youtube channel and also check us out on linkedin Uh, there you'll also be able to find our website 40athletes.com where you can enroll in our 24-week online course schedule a discovery call today for less than a dollar a day per athlete the 40 athletes program can help you develop better players by helping them become better people thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you again next week on the 40 athletes podcast